Welcome to Slashers and Spirits, a horror movie podcast. In this podcast, Kim and I show AJ horror movies, despite the fact that she hated horror movies not even three months ago. My name is Aaron. My name is AJ. I'm Kim. And tonight we watched Midsummer. Midsummer was one of Kim's favorites. Am I wrong? Yes. One of my favorites. Crap. I didn't even look up what, mo- what year this movie came out. It had to have been 2019, right? <laughs> I think it was like sure. 2019. I'm the fact checker now. <laughs> AJ, the expert. Um, <laughs> in case it isn't immediately apparent, part of this podcast is we drink during the entire time we watch the movie. And this movie just happens to be two and a half hours. So there was a lot of drinking that happened during this period. And a lot of peeing. I had to pause it several times to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I apologize for that in hindsight. What? Um, what? It's true. I'm trying to be honest. <laughs> what makes podcast relatable is the honesty. And I peed three times. Or actually four times. There's one time where I didn't even pause it and I just ran for the bathroom just quietly because I had seen this movie multiple wow. times. Yeah. I... What's everyone drinking tonight? You start, Kim. Wine. Just red, dry-ass wine. What wine? You gotta be... I, I gotta oh, know. I can't plug them without an endorsement. They have to sponsor me first. Damn. If they want uh, okay, well, can you give, can you give like, an example of how fancy this wine was? Um, It's a sweet wine, so it's like a dessert wine. It was actually on sale it's at Target. Favorite. So... <laughs> Okay, I was gonna ask. I was like, "Are we getting Target or okay? We're getting yeah, we got it's some, a Target brand, some Good and Gather here, some Target brand, Market <laughs> Pantry grapes in this bitch." The fact that you know the Browns from Target, I, mean, I worked a lot. at Target for the darkest period of my life. <laughs> no, it's a Riscato wine, but it's sold at Target. Bless it was on sale. I'm drinking some gin and juice. I'm drinking a juice that. Cucumber, lime, and mint with some cheap gin. Some very cheap gin. What are you drinking, Aaron? I am drinking Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA. Wow. I bought, are you sponsored? I bought a tall can so that I wouldn't have to buy more and then quickly finished that and opened two smaller cans so it's like it had kids. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> just little ones. Yeah, just little, like, the whole family participated in this tonight. <laughs> All right, so Midsummer, a movie that is either loved or hated. It seems. I remember when this movie came out, it was kind of I was kind of like waiting to see what like the internet had to say about it, and it was either like the best horror movie in the last ten years or the biggest piece of shit ever, and there wasn't a whole lot of in between reviews. I saw it in theaters and loved it a whole lot, and saw it actually multiple times in theaters, and I think Kim was pretty similar. Yeah, I watched it in theaters, and then it came on, I think, Hulu or something, some streaming site, and I've just been rewatching it since. I love this movie so much. It's a comfort movie of mine, which I think says a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, that's, I love this movie, but say I would not call it a comfort movie. That, 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 that's pretty yikes there. <laughs> well, I watch horror movies when I'm, bo- like, all the time. Like, that's my only genre I really watch. So this is one of my favorites, because it's pretty pretty peaceful like it makes me feel at peace <laughs> that is that is pretty kim like i i typically prefer the more goofy horror movies and kim's like yeah you know i'm gonna sleep tonight so i didn't think it was that great um, <laughs> <laughs> no but I, we're definitely big fans of this one and like but i feel like to some degree i can understand why some people would like despise this movie i certainly don't think it's 
for everybody. I'm, it's not like some elitist, like, oh, if you don't get it, <laughs> like you're too dumb to get it or whatever. But it, it's certainly not for everybody, and I think it's it's certainly unique. It's very pretty. It's a very I've never really seen a horror movie that was so pretty. That makes sense. Usually it's like dark and gross and wet. And this one's very like beautiful and there's like flowers. <laughs> and it's also Music. gross and wet. <laughs> it's got it's got everything. <laughs> it's just it's so beautiful. It's sunny, there's light. It's just oh, I love it. What did it. you think AJ? What's your what's your call on this? I actually really enjoyed it. I think that there were some moments that were a lot and they really surprised me, but it didn't traumatize me for life, which is nice. I think I'm hoping we'll see in the days to come, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I really liked it. We'll see how much it follows you into the next couple of days. Yeah, I mean, some things hit a little home. It's all right, though. We'll we'll survive it. I guess kind of starting at the beginning, it starts really rough with the um, suicide of the main character's sister along with Suicide and murder. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's a really traumatic scene where she uses car exhaust to kill everybody in the house. And uh, I remember when I first saw this movie, it, it, it was really hard to sit through. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think that that was, like, as it continued, I got more and more surprised by it because, like, what a, what a wild way to kill people not something that I would have imagined so I was very shocked by it it was probably the darkest like scene wise like lighting wise that the whole movie is at like it's the beginning is like the darkest lighting and after that it doesn't get it just stays bright and stays sunny and stays like that consistent lightness which I guess has to do with mood absolutely there are even some parts like where it's so bright that like some of the white costumes that the characters wear is like super reflective uh, it's almost like too bright <laughs> it's almost like hurts it's, it's the a eyes. psychedelic kind of an effect yeah yeah it, it and it's it's certainly probably the biggest hurdle to get through in this movie in my opinion is it's like i bet most people that don't finish this movie don't get 10 minutes in yeah to be fair i knew that the beginning was rough and i thought it was going to be worse than it was so i don't know how it would have been worse but i definitely had the moment like ability to be like oh like that's it that's all it was yeah we'd warned you to some degree because i remember this messed with me the first time i saw it like i just you just don't see it coming you think you're gonna see some like cult movie and then all of a sudden you witness this horrible event and the way um uh, lawrence pew or Pooh as lawrence Pooh is aging <laughs> before we started this florence lawrence florence oh my god florence pew Florence <laughs> Pooh. Lawrence you. Pooh. Lawrence, Lawrence okay, Pooh. Lawrence Pooh. Um, <laughs> her crying in the opening is haunting. Oh, oh yeah. It's God. so gutted. As she loses her, her sister and her parents, the, the crying's just, it, it sticks with you. It's horrendous. And they, they make you sit in it for quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think crying and screaming, like, those are two big, like, factions in horror movies like a good scream and a good cry comes from like the gut like it really comes from inside and i think she like nailed it like it sounds heart-wrenching it, yeah it's very real it's disturbing as all hell like you feel it you yeah. feel her pain and i feel like they really cover it later as well she cries alone in the beginning and does not cry alone towards the end later you know? yeah um and then we were introduced to the just horrid relationship oh that man that goddamn man. I hate him. Christian so and much. Danny, right? Am I, am I yeah. correct in their name? Yeah. Yes. Christian and Danny just have like the worst relationship. And, you know, talk, 
like thinking about this movie as a whole which I know we're not at that part yet but just the concept of like thinking about their relationship in the beginning of the movie and how it progresses like this movie is just a movie about revenge and it's such sweet revenge honestly that man is horrific that's your take on it you think this is a movie about revenge that's kind of the perspective you got from the whole movie the takeaway I guess I've got a lot of takeaways from this movie but there is at least one point of this movie I don't think it's the main one I think it's like the second or third takeaway is that this movie is a revenge thought so so we're introduced to their their horrible relationship that's full of gaslighting there's that really awkward scene where he's made it clear that he's gonna go on this trip to sweden and Mm -hmm. danny has no clue that it's happening and they really just subject you to about 15 minutes of just awkward relationship stuff just two people that clearly shouldn't be together that are trying to hold it together he definitely feels bound to her in some way due to her family tragedy but it's it's just it's hard to watch and it 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 feels very real this this a lot that's probably the biggest thing i have to say about this movie is it makes a lot of things feel just like they could happen you know yeah it's very simplistic i think we've all had like a shitty boyfriend who's like literally done the exact same things that Christian has done like I think we've all in some way been gaslighted in relationships and I don't think it's so like the dialogue's not complex the concept's not complex it's very like yeah that's what a man does sometimes he makes you think that he makes you apologize for things he clearly did wrong (laughs) and it's relatable that is like my favorite line where she's like oh no you said you said sorry you didn't apologize he said sorry as in too bad not a real apology Mm -hmm. and like that is such a real line And I think that the thing that makes it complex is that nobody ever, like, addresses relationships that clearly and, like, realistically. Like, you have a shitty boyfriend in a movie and they make him, like, the worst man in the world. They don't show the ways that, like, why you stay in the relationship or explain these complexities that I think this movie does a really good job of showing. He certainly gets worse, too, throughout it. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like you said, he's like a horrible boyfriend, a horrible friend, a horrible person. Like he literally has no qualities about him in any of his relationships that ever actually are positive. Yeah, because as you continue, there's the Sweden, him telling his friends that he invited Danny to Sweden. And it's like, just like a, oh, she's about to be here. She's literally coming up right now. Okay, so by the way, she's coming with us and you guys have no choice and it was your idea and you can't be mad at me okay thanks like no screw you yeah my my girlfriend's coming i told her that you were cool with this um if you're not cool with it sorry uh see ya like that's literally how how it starts friends dissertation like basically telling josh like oh yeah we're actually not friends like when they were well we'll get to that part later but he literally just like leaves his friends behind for his own selfishness he just gets worse and worse and they they bring up his laziness even in the in the scene where he's introduced where they're like wow you're focusing a lot on this relationship and not on your um paper you should be writing idiot like maybe you should get on that and then um after they agree to take, well, not really agree. They're kind of forced to have Danny come along with them. There's that shot where she runs into the bathroom crying and it cuts to the airport, the airplane bathroom, like right as she walks through as like some of the best scene transitions. And that really brings up just like how good the cinematography is in this movie and how many just beautiful shots they have. It's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. Ari Aster does a very good job in his films of really using juxtaposition of his imagery and like transitional shots to really bring forth that sense of disturbance 
in a really effortless way. Like, he did it with this movie, and he did it with Hereditary. They're very similar. And I think it's just the subtlest way of disturbing audiences that's not a jump scare or in your face like other movies have done. It's all, it's all very real. There's a lot of, like, social horror in, like, the first hour of this movie where you're just like, oh, God, what an awful situation to be in socially. <laughs> oh, yeah, like, the party scene where she's like, you were oh, just going to go to Sweden and, like, not tell me. You were just going to leave without telling your girlfriend of four years. <laughs> What was that about? It's just horrific in different ways. Like, oh god, I just want to be out of this room where this awkward thing is happening. And then, uh, so basically the whole thing is that they're, uh, his buddies are all in grad school and they're gonna go do an anthropology project on uh, this weird Swedish little commune? Is that what they call it? Like a small community? Yeah. It was just supposed to be on Midsummer, and they were gonna go visit Pele's family which happens to be having a big traditional, like, feast in honor of Midsummer. Yeah. They don't realize it's a commune, really, until they kind of get there, and they're like, whoa, you didn't mention that it looked literally like Waco, Texas, <laughs> that you commented on. Yeah, it's like, it, yeah, they, they think they're definitely going to go and, like, have a wild party with, like, crazy sex with Swedish girls and stuff, and it's literally like, oh, no, this is like a prairie dress type of place, you know? Like, there's... Uh, <laughs> This very small community and there's that great scene where they first enter the uh the town and there's the flute music playing and then it pans the actual flute players <laughs> just it's not even like a scene set up you think for so long it's just part of the the editing <laughs> and then it shows the real flute players it's great uh they go through the whole community and they show like that tapestry that kind of foreshadows what's happening with like the way to have uh Oh, Men yeah. fall in love, including the eating of pubes and the uh, the period blood. That's just... Okay, I think later one of the characters says, I ate her pube, big hair. And I think that should be a new euphemism for eating someone out. No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's my that's new opinion. That's way worse. <laughs> that's, that's the worst Can thing you I've just ever imagine heard in my life. You're having a conversation with someone and like they're like mention somebody and they're like, Oh yeah, I hate her pubic hair. It's not even subtle. It's <laughs> you can, can practically just say that. Like <laughs> It's not even a sexy euphemism though. Like it's like eating out sounds kinda hot, but eating someone's hair sounds cannibalistic. Like it's not we're not Army Hammer in this house. We are not gonna talk like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's my only note from this that's movie. That's it? <laughs> Your only note? <laughs> Alright. So, uh, that's it. AJ's muted for the rest of this. She said what she needed to say. Um, AJ, AJ will be back later. She's off to um, eat someone's pubic hair. <laughs> Holy shit. There's a lot of... There's, there's a lot of, like, shit like that in this movie. Like, uh, one of the main plot points is one of, uh, the guy that looks like Sid from Toy Story pisses on an ancestral tree. That That's a whole yeah. thing that happens. Um, there is the whole, uh, dinner scene where one of the women in the town wants to seduce Danny's boyfriend and they line up all the cups together and you can see that his is darker. It's got some red in it and, uh, <laughs> that goes on for quite a bit. It really is kind of bizarre, but it keeps you entertained. It, it's, it, it grabs you right from the beginning as soon as they enter this town at least in my opinion they it's compelling i 100 percent think it's compelling they bring in the drugs and the the psychedelics as a as a very 
as, as like a staple. It's one of the first things they do when they enter is they take a mm-hmm. mushroom. The scene that warn that wards me off from psychedelics quite a bit, like some disturbing stuff. It just it seems like the worst thing to have like anxiety during. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like a. I think one of my biggest notes is like the theme of pseudo freedom, and I think psychedelics kind of plays into that idea. Because psychedelics, in essence, are supposed to open and free your mind, quote-unquote. I'm not promoting drugs. <laughs> but that's one of the things that it's kind of tied to. And it's a big, it's like you said, like it's present throughout the entire film. And it's supposed to, like in that sense, offer a sort of mental freedom. But in a way, it kind of traps them there by distorting their ability to see the obvious of what's going on with the people that are there. So it's kind of a, I don't know, that's kind of how I see it. <laughs> it might be a little too, I'm <laughs> reading into a little bit too much. But that's just kind of what I think the link of why they put drugs in the particular plot point of this film. Yeah, it also brings like an anxiety of something you can't control. Yeah. It's, um, it's bizarre in that way. Or um, you can definitely feel trapped or have anxiety while having like a bad trip. And then they of course slide in some, some good horror elements like reflecting on the sister who killed herself along with her parents, like, showing that in the mirror and stuff. Um, the mirror images of this movie are pretty incredible. There's a lot of oh, reflection yeah. shots, a whole lot of shots that are shown. Like, the camera is facing somebody, but then the mirror in the background shows the person they're talking to and whatnot. Which I imagine is supposed to show, like, some level of, like, this person's not, like, fully present or something like that. Like, what do you guys think that symbolizes? I think both times it's actually Christian, the shitty boyfriend, that's that's in the reflections. Yeah. And he's usually spewing some bullshit in both scenes, right? Yeah, maybe like a di- like distance. You know, like he's talking to someone, but it's oh. never really genuine. It's not really connected. It's just, yeah, it's basically just bullshit in those shots. Yeah. Because he is in the mirror speaking, but we don't quite see him clearly. We just hear his voice. Yeah. And it, it definitely doesn't continue through the movie or else he'd only be seen in reflections because he spews shit through basically the entire <laughs> All movie. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> but in the beginning, yeah, most definitely. There's also a lot of foreshadowing in this movie. It, it literally opens with a uh, a tapestry or mural, whatever you want to call it, that basically reflects the whole movie. Oh yeah, it's it definitely uses art to basically spoil the events yeah. of the movie. Not just in the tapestry, but I mean, because I've seen it a couple times, so I've been trying to look at different forms of like art in the background. It's literally everywhere. It's plastered all throughout the movie. Everything on to the ceiling of the walls, to the artwork um, in the room, like the bedroom where they sleep in. The walls have like paintings that depict various yeah. things that literally happen in the movie. Um, and I think that's really clever because people don't really notice it, but I think it kind of ties into this bigger theme of like almost predestination or like pre-planning of things. Like this was kind of a natural event that was supposed to happen. We see that when you were talking about the leader welcoming Danny as like welcoming her home, it almost feels like this is something that naturally was supposed to occur because it's on the walls, not because, I don't know. I don't think it's because they planned it exactly. It's almost as if it was meant to occur. To, to explain quickly what, what Kim's talking about, there's a, a, the scene where they meet the like leader of their community, and he says hello to everybody, but then when he looks at Danny, the main character, who inevitably, and spoilers, stays, 
he doesn't say hi to her. He says, welcome home. He also hugs her, and he does not hug anyone else. I mean, if you think about it, if you were to take someone and induct them into your cult, who is the better candidate than the, the woman who just lost all of her family, who has nobody really to go home to, other than her boyfriend, who's awful? I was thinking that in the beginning, at that point when, um, ooh, what's the guy's name? The Pele. guy that Pele. brings him there? When he um, talks to Danny and he's like, I'm so excited that yeah. you're coming. I was thinking about the fact that she is somebody who has no connections back home anymore. And that now that she's going there, like, she could stay. Like, she is not somebody who is being held down by anybody. Nobody's going to question why she's not coming home. Things like that. Exactly. Did you, did you guys see the, uh, the, the opening mural I put in the Discord? Yes. You can yes. see that, like, it starts at the left with the, the parents dying, and then it moves on to her crying, and then you kind of see Pele as the, the observer. Oh. You see Pele as the observer in the tree from above, kind of, like, watching her turmoil. Cuts to them going into Sweden, just kind of continues into the events, into them, they're dancing happily under the sun at the end. And that's literally the first thing they show you. They show you the entire movie within the first minute of its runtime. Yeah, that's so that's so clever. That's incredible. Because I was looking at it trying to understand it from right to left. So it makes much more sense looking at it from yeah, left to right. Which is funny because the tapestry they show with the love ritual is from right to left. <laughs> and they show it yeah. later. And the tapestry is so like, it's so clever. Like you have death to life but also like the changing of the seasons which ties yes. back into the midsummer yeah. of you know where they're celebrating it also aj pointed out during the movie the significance or like i guess what is the significance of danny's birthday she's probably like in her mid-20s so they mentioned that in their oh. how they see like life and how they see age the first years goes up to like about sixteen, I think they said. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the stages of life they describe yeah, the while living, and they describe the life cycle of people in this community. And they start from like your child until you're thirteen, and then they said like thirteen to thirty-five, you do your pilgrimage. Thirty-five to like fifty something, you work, and then fifty something to seventy-two are a mentor. Yeah. I think it was 18 to 35. I think so. I think so. 16 or 18, one of those. But she would probably be in the mid version of like her second stage of life, which would put her seasonally mm, would be like in midsummer. So it's almost summer, as if yeah. that's the perfect notion that she also belongs in this natural occurrence of what is happening here. Because I mean, think about the coincidence, right? This event only takes place every, I think they said... 90 years i want to say 90 yeah something around 90 years and yeah. it just so happens that perfect timing her family's killed her sister's dead and they plan this trip now i know there's influence from pele which we will speak about my boy pele after this but it just it almost <laughs> seems like it's perfectly timed for her to come home quote unquote i think um pele also would have brought them anyway because there was pele's um childhood friend who brought that other couple as well but I yeah think it just it fell into i the think lap. they were supposed to bring i imagine that they were supposed to bring as part of them leaving they were supposed to bring five people back because they had to have four to sacrifice Oh, this is towards the end. We should we should explain real quick, just, just real fast while we continue. Um, and they have this life cycle that ends at 72. 
And then they have the the two 72-year-olds that were uh, part of the big dinner scene they have before and everything jump off of the cliff. They, like, cut their hands first and wipe them on some of the stones that they have their writing on. Like, the big, probably the most famous, like, scene or, like, poster from the movie is that that stone with the blood handprints on it. And then the, the two people jump off in an incredibly gory scene of them just diving off of this cliff. It was beautiful. Like, it was beautiful. <laughs> I'm a fan of good gore. And I I love the close shots. I think the way they did the makeup, like how they made his face look, <laughs> it's going to be really descriptive, but like concaved in, it was, it was incredible. And it's like, it's so, I think also the suicide I've seen from the beginning, they have similar references where it's a close-up shot of something so disturbing but it's very quick. It, it doesn't linger for too long, but you see it enough that it kind of affects you in a very subtle way, I want to say. And the first one's very instant. It's, it's very gory in the way the face like slaps the rock, but the, the first woman jumps off and she dies pretty instantly. But then the second guy, the old man, he jumps, um, like he pencil dives like right into the fucking ground. That was his fault. Like, Why would you jump like, feet first? Oh, is my rookie mistake. <laughs> but he, his legs crumple. <laughs> rookie mistake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's professional versions. If of you jump over the cliff, why would you go feet first? That I'm makes just no saying, sense. Yeah, don't don't half ass it. Full ass it. Come on, head first. <laughs> you, you do it like you're diving into a swimming pool. Exactly. But this dude straight up flushed away pencil dives just straight into it and his legs splatter underneath him and then they they finish him off with a hammer and show just close-ups of his face like getting smashed and i really wonder how aj was feeling during this because she was very quiet while this happened (laughs) i know when i saw her face i gasped it was just one of those things that was like so shocking that i couldn't i couldn't like comprehend it like i just was like oh my god like they just did that and like i knew they were gonna jump like i could tell from the rock that that's what was gonna happen it's pretty clear like you know what's gonna happen you just wonder how bad it's gonna be yeah yeah and i think it was just one of those like oh my god they actually just did that and then the gore was so much worse than i imagined it was gonna be and then you have them coming over and hitting his face and they just keep hitting his face like they just don't stop yeah they just continue to hammer him until he's uh he dies because he's all still alive after fucking ruining his legs and that's the first time we see everyone in the commune responding with like the same feeling like screaming in pain it's like a shared pain of the community which I think is very, very clever and very interesting. There's a theme of expressing yeah. the the emotions or pain of one as a group. So the second he doesn't die, they all start gasping horribly. They have like these horrible sounds of pain, and it's 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 really bizarre. The, really, the whole movie, but when it first shows up, it's it's hard to sit through. It's everyone gasping as if they're in mortal pain. It shows a unity that they have, the close connection that they're all very, like, tight. Like, that's immediately what I, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, <laughs> so they feel the same pain? Okay. Like, it, it kind of brings together how this community is so interconnected. That yeah. there's very much a lack of individuality, not just in their clothes, but also in their emotions, which I think is also very interesting. I, I would really say this is where the movie kind of um, 
take some detours into some some plot points that don't super pay off um they start discussing some of the the their students there to like study the commune and they they kind of discuss that they have someone who is severely inbred write their rules uh for their religion on their like uh bible that has a bunch of empty pages for it continuously to be donated to and they show the inbred kid who's you know really hard to look at <laughs> um like finger painting for lack of a better phrase like, I, I, that sounds offensive but it's true he really is like finger painting in uh in this book and it, it never really goes anywhere he's an oracle right? yeah they, he's an oracle who said to be able to see things i guess like the future almost or things that are to come which i kind of think is very interesting when you take into consideration the fact, not the, not the drawings in the book, but the drawings all around are very indicative of the future. The painting... Yeah, had they shown him drawing the mural or something, it, it would have meant a lot more, you know, the, the opening mural. Yeah. I think the passages in the book, though, don't those dictate how the rituals and whatnot go? I, for sure, but it, I only ever saw him smearing green and purple paint into a page. I, I didn't see him writing anything. <laughs> well, yeah, he draws pictures. I don't think he can write. I don't think he really speaks much, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was under the impression he just got a smeared paint on a page. <laughs> but... Kim brings up a good point. If he had drawn some of those, that brings all new elements to it. <laughs> I think it would yeah. be a lot if he just was like a Picasso and was just drawing really great murals. He, he drew the, the pubic hair getting cut with scissors and stuff like that. <laughs> I assumed now this is a again stepping a little bit forward but there's that point where Josh, the friend, he wasn't allowed to take a photo of the special scripture of, of, of the coloring so he, book yes of the coloring book so he breaks in in the middle of the night to take photos and one of their friends had disappeared right before Sid it from toy story and then mark yes Sid from toy story mark or Sid. he shows up and josh is like oh my god you scared me mark and then he gets closer and you you figure out that he's somehow just like not him so the way that i had in that moment understood it was that somebody had taken the face off of him and was wearing it and then killed josh while wearing the face of mark yeah, correct yes. yeah that's what happened he was skinned. okay for some reason i assumed that that was the kid that's like oh the you thought that was the the, the inbred kid mm, i don't i don't yeah i think it was i don't old. blame you no, I think it was Ulf, the guy that was really upset at him for peeing on the tree. Yeah, I just, I, I don't okay. blame AJ for thinking that, though, because that is really an underdeveloped plot point. They never really go anywhere with those two deaths, at least at least in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, that like that kind of stands out as kind of something that happens, but doesn't really fit into everything else the way the rest of the movie does. Except for the ending. Where they have all their bodies. Because I think it fits into the yeah. ending. No, I think it fits into the story of the ending. Yeah, I agree. Two of the friends die. Pretty much everyone dies but the main character and her shitty boyfriend. They have um, some festivities where... Um, I, I guess we should bring up that the shitty boyfriend at some point before his two friends died was like, yeah, I kind of decided I'm going to write my college paper I've been procrastinating on based off of uh, your paper that you came here to write. And uh, 
Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets all shit on from his friends, and then his friends die, and then it's just him and his girlfriend. And even, even though his friends are missing, he's like, yeah, sorry, my friends were douchebags. I can't believe they would go out in the middle of the night and go missing and shit like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my friends are shitty. Haha. Then he goes to the little house, and they're like, oh, by the way, you've eaten pubic hair and drank period blood, and one of our people want to sleep with you. And he's like, I mean, I'm not against it. <laughs> and then he gets... Yeah. He's kind of just like... He doesn't really says no, but he never really really says yes either. But then he gets drugged, and they have the most... Probably the most awkward sex scene in every, any movie ever. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I, I want to hear AJ Mostly describe it's... this. I want, uh, AJ, explain, explain. Oh, you want me to describe yes, it? Ex- so he's so let, let's set the scene right. Uh, the friends are missing, and they're like, "Yo, uh, Ginger Kid, <laughs> Christian, the boyfriend of the main character. There is a girl here that you've already ate her pubes and drank her period blood, and we want you to have sex with her." And he's kind of like, "All right, like whatever." And then. <laughs> And then it, he walks to a barn, and AJ, take it away. So there are a lot of women. I don't know how many. I didn't bother to count. Standing there naked. Then there's a girl laying down, as Aaron would like to describe it, on a salad. She was in a salad. She was in a sexy salad. <laughs> it was a lot of flowers, but, you know, for for this sake, we'll say she was laying on a bed of salad. <laughs> and he comes in. And they dress them all specific, and then immediately he takes his clothes off. And everyone else is naked, and then they have sex. And he's- well, you cut a lot, you cut a lot here. Yeah, I, I Sorry, you wanted me to describe it. Do you want to describe it? No, I want it? you to describe it, but I feel like you, you cut straight to the point. That there's, there's a lot more than that. <laughs> there's a lot of walking, and him looking like he's not fucking there, because he's super, super high. And super, like, stressed high. Like, he looks like he's paranoid and freaking out. Um, but I think that then, like, they ha- start having sex. Then there's other people there. And they start getting involved by, like, holding the girl's hand and singing a song. And then somebody's, like, pushing him and stuff like that. They provide a soundtrack. And so it's, like, a whole whole group affair. Every noise that's made, everyone else is making. It's, like, it's it's really just everybody's a part of it. The whole village is there. <laughs> Except for our queen. Who who, is, who had entered a competition to be the May Queen by getting super fucking high on mushrooms and dancing in a circle and just kind of having a last woman standing event. <laughs> and she was the last one standing, obviously. And so she became the queen. She had to go bless some crops. So she left to do that. Then... Christian goes off and has sex with this girl. When she comes back, she can hear the sounds from it because everyone's making the same sounds over and over again. Everyone's moaning. So she goes and she, everyone's moaning. So she goes and she looks through like a keyhole and she sees what's happening and then she has like this panic attack thing and everybody at the same time has the same panic attack with her and like repeats her noises and her reaction at the same time. Which everyone except for me thought was like a really welcoming, comforting thought process. To me, that sounds way more stressful if everyone else is upset that I have to stop being upset so I can take care of everyone else. But apparently, that's not a regular opinion. Uh, all of the, all of the group goes and cries and just screams with her all in a group, so everyone's screaming at once, and it's just so like 
therapeutic. If I was screaming like that, oh my god. I, I think so anyway. I'm just gonna scream at you next time you have a panic attack. Uh, I'd appreciate it if you just mimicked if you mimicked <laughs> my pants, that'd be great. But then I would have a panic attack. <laughs> it's a chain reaction. That seems problematic. And then other people are like, fuck, now there's two of us. Mimic both of them. <laughs> <laughs> That seems like a problem. What about to you, me. Kim? Kim said that that yeah, Kim said this was her favorite favorite scene. So what do you about think? the scene? Whether which which yeah. scene are we talking Where about? They're, they're all they're all crying together after seeing the the strange oh. sex scene. Oh no, I loved it. I think it's masterfully done. I think the way that it's shot. I think it's almost like an induction where now she finally is able. It's a catharsis. I think this is Danny's catharsis, and then after this. She's a bit emotionally empty, and it's almost kind of being inducted into the group itself. Like, I think there's power in her losing that burden of emotion that she's been carrying with her since the beginning, grieving on her own, and now doing this with other people who actually, in a sense, feel her pain or at least want to share the burden of her pain. She no longer has to be an individual and no longer has to be the only one going through the emotions and feelings that she's been going through. Not just of this, of seeing her boyfriend cheating, but her family dying. She's never actually dealt with that grief. And now she doesn't have to do it alone. Yeah, she cries alone in the beginning with her boyfriend, but cries together at mm-hmm. the end with And there's like a difference even family. in her face. Like, after this, she becomes kind of a, almost like a zombie of, of sorts. Like, she sort of is now kind of lost and we see that continuation of this emptiness all the way into the end she never really regains that sense of life in her eyes so i think it's 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 almost like a rebirth of sorts it's a catharsis of herself of her emotion and her individuality and then it kind of becomes a rebirth of something else a person that now is a part of this group and not just you know not just herself so to me, this is one of the biggest transitional scenes of the movie. I think that when you think about grief, it, it can often be a very lonely experience. And especially when you just have her and then and there's no one else grieving the same people she is. And there's just her boyfriend who we know is emotionally unavailable. We know isn't providing her anything. And then you take her from all of that to a place where everyone will feel everything with her. Like, obviously, that's a better choice for yourself when you've been so isolated and I think that that is something that's like much more meaningful that uh, you go from being all alone in the world to having like this whole group of people who are going to cry with you when you cry like I think that's something that's very meaningful to have there's there's also that scene um, Pele brings up her parents and she's upset and he goes no I understand my parents died in a fire when I was very young but I felt but oh, I yeah. never had to deal with that alone. I, the the community was here for me, and I felt held. And he, they like hold hands, and she's like, "Oh, Christian will be here any any minute. He might see us." And she's like, and he's like, "No, do you feel held by him? Because like I feel held by this community when my parents died." And I think I think that's a big part of this movie is like, "Do you feel held?" And when she's sitting there crying and just being mortified by what her her boyfriend or her partner has done to her, um, she feels held by them there. I want to get to the ending because I think that I also had thoughts about that conversation that she had, and I want to talk about it. So so Danny becomes May Queen. She's decorated in all the flowers for being the last woman standing during the dance. Um, she witnesses Christian cheating on her, 
and then they kind of reveal what the whole finale is of this midsummer festival that they have and it's to um end nine lives in a fire in the yellow building the beautiful yellow building they've been showing in the town the entire movie and for every outsider put into there they also include a member of their own so they include not pele but pele's best friend who had brought the other couple and um they include the corpses of the friends that have been killed but most importantly they dress christian the boyfriend up in the skin of a bear that has been shown early in the movie after drugging him and they put all of them in the the yellow building including some of the live people from the community along with the corpses of the outsiders and they burn it all down uh, and they all some of them burn alive like the boyfriend literally is paralyzed but he's in the bear suit still living and they all burn down and there's but danny picks yes him. they do they do give the option of who they want to go in there and she even has the option to include people from the community and she chooses him after that and and i think very much so the revenge that you were discussing aj yeah i don't know i think that it's part of this movie i think that this movie talks a lot about a lot of different things i think it's a lot about grief i think it's a lot about finding and feeling comforted within that grief but i do think that there's some level of revenge in that end and at the ending when the place is burning down they all are sobbing and that includes danny and then all of a sudden she smiles and it's the first time you smi- she smiles and the first time you see her smile throughout the whole movie. Yeah, I, I really don't think she smiled smile. any other time that, that's real, but she smiles when they all burn. It might be, I, I kind of feel like maybe it's, this is my last connection to the world that made me miserable. The shitty relationship I was in, the family concerns I was with, and the grief I was feeling, it's all gone now. Like, I'm here now. I'm officially a part of this. They're all gone. This is my new life. Or at least that's how I kind of see it. I'm beyond curious to hear what you guys have to think about it. I mean, I guess it's the first time she smiles without being under complete influence of drugs, I guess. I mean, she did, during the dancing scene, um, the May Queen, she she was laughing and giggly. Yeah, when I think that was sure. more the euphoria of being one with other people and experiencing that high and unity with other people as well. Like, she was able to speak Swedish out of nowhere. She was able to really connect with other women yeah. um, and other people in that commune so effortlessly. And I think it's her first moment of actual ecstasy. And the ending, I think, is a bit different because even though, yeah, she probably still has some psychedelics in her system... The happiness of the smile isn't quite from a sense of euphoria because everyone else in the commune is feeling despair and mimicking pain of those that are burning. She does not do that same thing. She has her own smile and a sense of, I would, I would claim it to be a sense of pseudo freedom, false freedom. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's, that's kind of what I felt too. It's like, I've moved on, you know, like uh, all that's done now. Yeah. What I was hinting at before with, um, oh, now I can't remember his name again. Pele? I've had too much alcohol now, I can't remember. Yeah. Pele is talking about his parents dying in a fire, and I was curious if his parents died in the fire that was the same time of ceremony. Holy shit, I never connected that, but that's probably exactly what happened. Yeah, could be possible. Otherwise, why would they die unless they reached that age? Yeah, I, I kind of assumed in a natural this... fire had happened, but yours makes way more sense that that would have happened. I feel 
people dumb for not realizing that. And then the community comforts him because it's like part of the process and it's this whole thing. Because the other thing that I think a lot of this movie is about is this cycle of life and this whole utopian idea that like we can control that and we can control that this is when we give our lives up. And so that, that exists within the two people that choose to give their life up. And I assumed that they had to bring five people because you needed four people to be given and then one person to be chosen. One to, to, to stop from being too inbred, one to keep the, the bloodline going yeah. is kind of what I felt. I just figured because they had to have that question at the end about who was the fifth one going to be. Was it going to be a community member or was it going to be an outsider? And so they had to have five bodies to have four given already. So it's a total of nine people. So just to be clear, yeah. two people come from the from the community. Four people come from No, okay, so let's go through it real quick. So there's Mark, Josh, and then it's going to be... Um, yes. Uh, I'm forgetting his name right now. The boyfriend, the Christian. couple. Christian. So that's the friends first. Mark, Josh, yeah. Christian. Who, yeah, Christian was chosen. And then we have Connie and Simon, which yes. are the yeah. British couple. They're both British, right? Not just one. I felt I felt like yeah. they were. Uh, but yeah, yeah. They're both from London, at least. Yeah. And then we have Ulf, and I'm going to mispronounce his name real quick. Im- <laughs> Im- Imogen? <laughs> I know that's not how you say it. But it's yeah, the other I, two that came, and then it's the two old people. So four do come, but which is four, four of them were separate ritual, yeah. and then two were chosen. They were picked from them. They offered themselves up. Yes. So that's just... But at the end, when they're talking about before they pick it, they're like, you have four from us, four from New Blood, and then she picks one. They, they, and so... they definitely said that, but Kim's right about who's in there at the end, you know? But that still is true. Those two people, like, yes, they were part of a different Oh, I see ritual, what you're saying. There's, there's four outsiders, bodies. and then the two dead, and then the two that lived, and then the, the ninth got to yes. be chosen, and she chose for it to be Christian. Yeah, yeah. I'm just clarifying, because I think before we said so, only one person came, so I just want to make sure that the count is correct. It's the two older people because of their age, yeah. which is a ritualistic that happens in general. Yeah. They were going to die anyway because they reached that age. And then two that were that came forward as volunteers, Ulf yes. and Imogen. Yeah. And the rest were evidently outsiders. The visitors. I assume that when they were sent out to do their pilgrimage, they were told that they had to bring back people. Because yes. otherwise, yeah, for sure. you wouldn't choose to bring people back. Okay, so I assume they were chosen to choose five. And then because he ended up with having her as well she was the extra and that's what i meant when i said she was the extra early i think that number just varies depending on who the fuck they can lure back there they were like oh fuck we only got three this time oh the ritual (laughs) says seven (laughs) (laughs) you only got one oh shit okay uh fucking the ritual of three (laughs) (laughs) we painted this whole fucking building yellow for three people god Damn it. <laughs> Cer- certainly a, a bizarre movie, but and it's certainly it's also long. It's like two and a half hours, but I I, I think it's entertaining through and through. A hundred percent agree. All right. So we're going for, we're going through the rest of the movie now for things we missed. You start, Kim. You go for it. So there's the use of subtitles in this movie. And because they speak Swedish and English, there were a couple times where the Swedish 
language is translated for us in certain scenes, and some where they are not, which is usually typically was in the beginning of the film, um, which I think was obviously purposely done, and I think really clever, because I feel like it makes the audience feel as lost and as isolated as the actual characters are. So we have no idea what it is they're saying in conversation. We have no idea what the chants are saying when they sing or when they, um, you know, say things from their books or sing their songs. We have no idea what exactly it is that they are talking about. And I just thought that was a really cool little tidbit of like making us feel as confused and otherized as the other American characters in the movie. I think Ari Aster is amazing at details. And I I want to go over the details. I think the details are really like, they're really cool. <laughs> um, he, go for it. So one of the things um, that I thought was really cool were the references. I only really noticed two, which I think, Aaron, you were really like excited about. The Shining blanket. Yes. The, sh- the blanket that showed The Shining, and there was that shot after they jumped exactly. yes. onto that rock where they cut just to her her, sibling, her sister and her parents lying dead on the same rock that people fell onto from the cliff. And the way it flashes is almost identical to seeing the Grady twins from The Shining being cut up and having that paired with The Shining blanket being on the beds in their communal sleeping area. It, it felt so much like The Shining. And sorry, I don't, I don't want to dominate here for a second, but the music like in the beginning and the music when they're um during the suicide scene and in a way that that scene where they're driving into the compound and it the camera goes upside down it all feels so much like they're going to the overlook hotel and the editing feels so much like the shining and i i really feel a lot of that in this movie and i i think that's another movie that's you know almost three hours and has such compelling scenes and keeps going despite maybe not a whole hell of a lot happening in it and uh, i i definitely felt shining comparisons this time watching it more than i felt throughout the rest of the movie yeah and i think the shot of the snow too there's an open the beginning when danny's parents are dead there's this like shot into the snow and it kind of reminds me of some of the scenes in the shining because they had shots where it was just the snow falling and it's like an ominous kind of a presence. And I think that's kind of what Ari Aster was trying to depict and kind of mimic, which I thought was really, really clever and really, really cool. It's it's almost funny to hear you say uh, uh, Danny too, because like when I think Danny in The Shining, I'm thinking of The Shining, but they they do carry that same name, you know? Yeah. There's also references to The Wicker Man, which is another one of my favorite movies, which is also a cult movie. Um, the clothing style is similar. The the emphasis on nature and forested area is also part of that. Um, but mostly the ending. Because the ending of The Wicker Man ends with the main character, the outsider, being burned alive in a cage. And it kind of depicts or mimics that in this movie with the outsiders being burned alive. Or, well, in, um, in what's-his-name's case, um, Christian's case being burned alive alive inside of the wooden little house. So I thought that was a really cool, like, it might have been coincidental, but I thought it was kind of a reference to that movie. Also, there were a lot of, like, little hidden gems throughout the movie in the background details. So if you notice, if you ever look back and watch this movie again, there are faces in the trees during some of the shots. And some of the faces are kind of random with the leaves and the shapes but the sister's face can be seen with the tube in her mouth in the background of i believe it's either in the forest or on the rocks i believe it was the rock scene 
I think it's when she's being carried away as the May yes, Queen okay, for yeah, the first time, right. and she's standing on the platform. If you look at the foliage in the background, you can make out the sister's face with the two yes, coming there out go. of it, I was like, like I know in it's the trees. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think I, I believe there are more than that throughout the movie. There's but that's so the one many. I'm aware of. Yeah, her parents' um, faces are in the crowd when she gets selected as May Queen. Yes, they're also present when there's like the killing of the or the suicide, I should say of the older gentlemen, the older people, her parents are also kind of intermixed in that crowd. That's really cool. Yeah, there's there's certainly a lot to be gained in subsequent watching. Like, uh, I actually, AJ caught on to one that I didn't notice till like my third time, but um, after her, the opening scene with the suicide, she's sleeping in a bed before Christian leaves to go to a party and it zooms out in her bedroom and there's a huge painting of a bear yeah. just like the bear that christian mm-hmm. will eventually end up in and uh, uh it's just so interesting that was part of the the revenge concept i had was that they have in the beginning this of this little girl facing this bear and like that being her big trial and so i thought that that was interesting that he gets then placed in this bear and he's the only thing keeping her connected is that this like this is her last trial is her facing this bear you know yeah, definitely definitely it it it, it only benefits from from more watching and there was a couple other things i know i I recognize the welcome home when she's first greeted man there are a couple more things that i'm struggling to remember but there's a lot of references to her sticking around um this is a really good movie yeah no i i certainly uh it's so weird because i have the utmost respect for this movie but there are a lot of people that hate this movie and i understand why they hate it um i'm not sure if you guys feel that way but i feel like it's certainly not for everybody and i i'm not going to discard anyone's opinion of of disliking it because it is so unique and so odd i I don't know what do you you guys think of of people that would hate this movie i wonder what would happen if they watched it without those specific scenes like with just having the context that like oh her family died or like i don't know i don't think it would have quite as much of an impact but i get that those scenes are so intense and so like cause such an emotional reaction but i think that this movie has so much more than just those scenes and i think like i think those scenes add to the movie but I also, I don't know, I think there's so much more to it that I wonder what people would think without having something that's so dramatically, like, responsive. I feel like the movie's oddly pretty grounded in a lot of this. A lot of it feels realistic as if it could yeah. happen. And I think if you don't see just how utterly devastated and how abused Danny is, that you might not fully believe that she would enjoy watching her boyfriend burn in a barn or that she would truly embrace the culture if she just didn't realize how much she lost and how far gone she is yeah that's fair i think that that, that's a good point that like you need the context of like all this trauma to understand danny i don't know kim what do you think um i mean this is one of the this is sort of the movie that well, I don't know. A24 has that kind of reputation of being a movie that's a bit pretentious or a production agency that has movies that are pretentious, I should say. Because I don't I think sometimes people want to watch a movie just to watch it and have no other sort of work that you have to do for it. Like I like this movie because there's so much that you can look into it and rewatch and just kind of like nerd out about it. And some people just aren't interested in that, which is totally fine. Like sometimes you just want to watch a movie and have it just be bare bones. I want to get scared. I want to get freaked out. I want the adrenaline. 
And this movie doesn't provide that. It's very much, uh, you have to either really be into looking at it differently or questioning it, as opposed to it just being full frontal entertainment. So you could see why people would be bored with it, potentially. Yes, but also I'm very biased because these are the kind of movies I like. <laughs> like, this is what I like about it, is the fact that it's it's there's a lot to unpack in every single scene. And also the details the director puts in there that you have to really either read about or pay attention to. And that's just some things that people don't have time for, which I totally understand. But I personally love when a movie has that. So <laughs> I like the extra work that this movie kind of gives. If you're interested in parts of that, which I am. This is a movie where you could just look at the background at the art and like... Exactly. There's so... so and you can it. form theories of things. Like there really isn't... And I mean, you asked if I had watched the director's cut, but there's like an extra 24 minutes and I did see it actually. And there's extra parts in it that I know why they cut out, but I kind of wish they didn't because I like it. <laughs> um, but things like that where it's like this movie's long as fuck and there's still more that this director made. And I don't want to like stroke his dick too much, but Ari Aster, I want to say like <laughs> the amount of detail he's put into this is incredible. Like, the blood eagle scene, to me, beautiful. It was just, it was masterful. It was gory without being too gory. It's indicative of, like, Nordic execution tradition. I thought that was really clever. That's a scene where, um, that's Simon, who got his back cut open and the lungs taken out. It's a mm. tradition in, like, Nordic Viking times where they would execute people like that. Where they would cut their spine open when they're alive and, like, take their insides out essentially and like string it up to make them look like wings um which is really gory but <laughs> i thought that was a really cool traditional touch to make it very like you know nordic make it on theme with the swedish culture i guess so i think small details like that that he kind of looked into and added sprinkled in was really really clever but yeah there's tons of theories you can make about this movie because there are a lot of open-endedness to it and discussion. Did Christian deserve to die in the end? I mean, that's up for debate. Yes! <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he did! I mean, gaslighting isn't necessarily a reason <laughs> to murder someone. However... <laughs> if a gaslighter were to die, I would, you know, I would be... I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna start a riot for him, you know? <laughs> I feel like everyone hated Christian. Just it was it's just it's justified. I hate him too. The cult of the cult of Hargis storming the capital with their wave walk. <laughs> <laughs> They're waving their arms as they no. enter. <laughs> They're pounding, breaking the windows of the capital. <gasps> oh my god! <laughs> the only reason I would defend Christian in the end, saying that he should have died, is only because. I don't think Danny truly wanted it. He should have worn a shirt that fit him because the shirt he <laughs> the shirt he wears for the first like day and a half in that movie is as if someone tried to tear it off of him, but he just kind of left it. It's awful. So there's also another. Um, I don't want to call it controversial discussion, but there's a, there's another debate, I guess, surrounding this movie that I've seen a lot of people talk about in terms of the ending. A lot of people see the ending as almost a form of empowerment for Danny. And before yeah, I give my opinion, do you guys see that as a form of empowerment or not? Well, that's where I think my revenge concept comes by. 
you know, I think that it is some kind of, she is empowered by literal definition. She has the power. She makes the choice about who dies. But I also think that there is some concept of like, she was given so much in this relationship that was like, like she apologizes and says she should have reminded him about her birthday. Like that's ridiculous. Like that's not like, again, I don't think he necessarily needed to die because he forgot her birthday. But I think that there is some level of like vengeance and empowerment that happens at the end of it because she knows that she was given back. Like I took back what was taken. What do you from think, Erin? Because I, I disagree with the concept of empowerment. But I want to hear what you have to say before I say anything. I can definitely see how it like empowers her, but I think it's less empowering her specifically and more showing her like the power of community and the comfort that could, the community can bring her. And like clearly, they were well aware that he was shitty because when he's sitting there frozen in the bear suit and they're like performing the ritual, they say like you've been wicked, you've been evil, or whatever. They know he's a shitty person, um, so I feel it's more just like, look what community can do for you, and and I think that's, it's almost like some kind of weird message on like how people are more antisocial now, or people are more separate, that community can bring so much comfort, and you can almost find personal happiness in the support of community, and I think clearly she was surrounded by shitty people through most of her life um you can even argue with that to some degree to her family as dark as that sounds because she clearly had issues with her sister almost constantly and um once she finds the the support of a community no matter how vulgar or how barbaric they might be it's that support that brings her comfort and like causes her to smile so i do think she's empowered but i don't think it's like her personal empowerment i think it's more of finding a community that cares about how she feels and will be there to support her i think that's that's on one side of what people generally do say they think it's like a you know that's exactly what you both said and i'm on the other side where i think that's kind of how this movie tricks you in my opinion i think I think because I'm I'm hearing how you guys are talking and saying it and I I almost feel like this movie has kind of tricked you guys that you're almost on the side of the community and the side of the people who have literally murdered other individuals. I am. So let me let me just like before before just give me a second. So you talk about the power imbalance between Christian and Danny throughout the whole relationship, the toxicity of it, how she has no choice and not that she has no choice, but that she's not able to advocate for herself. I would say it's the exact same thing in this community because she never actually has a choice. She literally, her consent and her ability to have choice is taken away. She's on drugs more than half the time. She's not an individual person anymore because now she's part of a bigger part of a bigger group. She's no longer a person. And I don't think Danny in the beginning of the movie, regardless of the relationship with Christian, would ever be okay with killing a human being more so a human <laughs> being that she's dated for four years like i think she's not free and she's unempowered i think she's just in another version of a toxic cage exactly the same as she was with christian in the same way where she couldn't advocate for herself with and speak about you know her issues with her boyfriend she can't do that here because even in this community right you share pain but you also have to share your children, your pleasure, any form of like self no longer exists. And I think that's even worse. I think that's the worst form of like abuse that she's kind of gotten throughout this whole entire film. 
Like, yeah, Christian gaslighted her, but what are they doing? Like, have they not gaslit her as well? She has so many concerns. Like, people have been murdered. Like, I know that's me saying that because like, it's a horror movie. But, like, <laughs> if we're talking about this in, like, a real situation, like, she has... They've killed all of her friends. She has no one else. These are complete strangers that now she's lost herself to. And I don't think the smile at the end necessarily is a smile of happiness. I think it just shows that she's... It's almost this idea of, like, she no longer has to feel or be a person. And I don't think that's empowerment. Yeah. I think that's giving up. I think we kind of we kind yeah. of come to the same conclusion. It's just, like, different motivations for it. Like, for, for me, it was more of, like, she finally feels comforted and doesn't have to go through things alone. And for you, it's more like she doesn't have to feel those things ever again. Both of them, it's like, it's like the same reasoning to be brought there. The same, ah, fuck, I'm done with everything. But it's... it's it, it's different motivations, I guess, for the final thing, you know? Like, uh, yours absolutely makes sense to be like, I just don't want to feel anymore. I'll give myself up yeah. to the commune. Yeah. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, if no, I, if exactly I understand that. you correctly. It's a surrender. And then... And then for us, it's if, I guess what I, what I felt was very much like uh, it's definitely a surrender as well, but it's more of a resting in comfort. Like, wow, I I'm finally mm-hmm. feel supported in my feelings. But either way, it has her certainly giving up herself to the community, to the commune. I just feel really called out for pointing out that I believed <laughs> in this cult for five minutes. Right? I definitely I, I, I'm with you. I I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, you know what? Who wants to be 73 anyway? <laughs> Fuck that, right? <laughs> I have a 95-year-old grandfather, and I'm like, you know what? Oh 73... <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you could party it up till 35 and you don't have to work till 35, but they'll, like, pay for you to, like, you know, smoke the bong that's in their apartment, like, come on, like, <laughs> that, that's a good time. Yeah. The second your knees get shitty, you jump anyway, so fuck it. <laughs> it's like there's enough power in those knees for that final leap so you don't fucking pencil dive like that one idiot. Uh, <laughs> so would you guys say is a good person or a villain? in this movie well do you think the community is good or do you think the community is a villain because if the community is a villain then he is but i think he's a product of the community yeah, I, I feel like he's almost innocent in the sense that he doesn't know any better i'm um, i think they're all villainous i wouldn't say he's yeah i wouldn't say he's innocent i would just also say though that i think he is a product of the community so if the community itself is villainous then he is if the community itself is innocent so do you then think he they're is. innocent after <laughs> After Kim pointed out that I bought into this bullshit, I'm remembering that they probably are I mean, they innocent. murdered nine people. <laughs> that was there any innocence in this movie? <laughs> Seven. Well, five. They murdered five people. That's Four people oh gave God, their life willingly. <laughs> There's coercion. There is no actual consent and coercion. AJ. <laughs> also, Christian did not it wasn't sex i would consider it because there's a lack of consent that it's definitely a problematic situation there and i don't think he should be villainized for quote-unquote cheating when it really technically was not his decision in the end i think it was worse it was way creepier i'd almost rather him just just (laughs) hook up with some girl at a bar than this ritualistic yeah i mean he definitely (laughs) is like he's under the influence It's, it's definitely not it's not a good situation. He's a victim in that sense too. I don't know. A lot, of, a lot of, sense, a lot of dudes yeah. have tried that. Oh, I was under the influence. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it's, it works both ways. Okay. 
This is, yeah, this was definitely, that's a tricky scene. Also, there's a little gem. He hangs dong. He hangs dong. Just full dong. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) Christian hangs dong. You see his dong. He hangs dong. Okay. (laughs) All right. Our, uh, Molly, the the lovely Molly Gary, who edits the show, just sent into our chat equality in all caps in, re- <laughs> in reference to hanging dong, which he does. You got to give it to Christian. No matter what he does in the movie, he's you know brave enough to hang dong just right in the I end of this we'll movie. Yeah, the actors nudity. He a hundred percent. He runs around. Yeah, and he doesn't. He doesn't just there. hang dong. Like there's physics to it. Like you see it in in motion. Like that takes way <laughs> more confidence. Like a like a, a still image, a still second you can prep for. There's no hiding the full motion shot. You got to be confident, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, you got. I guess you guys still understand it. There's a. There's a... <laughs> I'm having the. I'm literally asking you guys to relate to dongs in motion. Like. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, no. There's there's a lot of nudity in this movie, whether you like it or not. There's, it doesn't it doesn't care your your preference. It's just gonna throw it yeah, in there. Yeah, it's very true. There is a whole scene of it, like a basically an orgy. <laughs> so final reviews. I love this movie. I think I would rewatch it and be able to see and learn more. I like how much thought was both brought into like making the movie and how much thought you can have after it. Um, yeah, I just really liked it. I also I also really love this movie. I think it's really well shot and it's really well done. I think it's it's pretty much almost flawless. I've I've watched it four times now and I'd I'd almost watch it again like right now if we were to put it on. I will say there are a, if I had to be critical of it in some super nitpicky way, I'd say there's a couple of like plots that just kind of go nowhere. Like the uh, oh we didn't mention that the inbred kid is there during the orgy, like just chilling, being like yo oh, watching yeah. it. Um, but let that plot really goes nowhere. But besides that, I, I'd, I'd say this movie's almost flawless. It's super enjoyable. I, I still don't... I, I understand why it's not for everybody, and it's certainly unique. But I'm personally a big fan. I think it's one of the best horror movies to come out in the past 10 years. Easy. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a 10 out of 10 movie. Definitely one of my favorites for a reason. It's a movie that you can watch during the daytime at night, and it won't really give you any sort of psychological trauma, really. There's a lot to... Well, we'll wait for Kim for her to get back to us. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack in this movie, and I think it doesn't necessarily have to be unpacked, which I think is great. You can just watch it and take it for what it is, or you can really look into the finer details and kind of make theories or sense of things that maybe are there and maybe aren't, and I think that's kind of fun. I think as a director, Ari Aster, both his movies, this one and Hereditary, do a very good job of having similar themes. And I think he's one of the greatest directors I've seen so far. Not my favorite, but definitely of the modern horror genre. I think he does a really good job of, I should say psychological horror, not full horror. Um, Doing a really good movie that's very subtle in its fear, but also very, in a sense, traumatizing without really having to do that much work in the sense of jump scares and makeup and CGI I think it's just well shot, it's well lit, and it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah, this this movie has, it probably has 
pretty low gore overall. It has some intense gore, but really low, and it has next to no jump scares or anything of the sort, but this movie has stuck with me as being more disturbing than it, really anything else I've watched that's trying hard to be disturbing, you know? Yeah, and there's some com- there's some comedic it's, effects uh... to it, too. And there's, like, some jokes here and there that, you know, running little jokes throughout the movie, which I kind of thought were really funny. This movie's funny. I'll, I'm, like, I will straight out say this movie's funny. When they're taking the drugs and, uh... <laughs> yeah the kid that looks like Sid from Mark. Toy Story is all high and the the new guy comes through and he's like, well, I can't deal with new people right now. Everyone lie down. You guys are lying down. Lie down with me, please. Like, he's just like losing it. it this movie's legitimately funny and it's 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 paced really weird for a horror movie, but in like the best way. Yeah, it's way. relatable in that sense. From the relationship aspect, to the drugs, to the flawless dialogue, I think it's very effortless, which kind of makes you relax. And then there's shots of like someone getting their head <laughs> smashed in, <laughs> and I think that's just that's really clever, and it's really beautifully transitioned. Kim, I have two questions okay. for you. <laughs> One: Would you join the cult? Two: Would you fuck um, anyone in the cult? Would I join? I probably would. I want their clothes. I think their clothes are really pretty, so I might just be in it for the clothing, but not everything else. I said it while we were watching it. I think Kim would join in a heartbeat, but she would have to be the May Queen. Oh, yeah. If she wasn't the May Queen, there's yeah. no fucking way she'd sit around and just put pubic hairs in pies. She would have to be the Mary Queen. It's a little bit too restrictive, I would say. Like, the fact that, like, everyone has to watch you while you have sex. I'm not comfortable with that at all. That would be a deal breaker for me. But my boy Pele can get it any day. I love him. I think he was so... He's a villain in a very subtle way, which I really like. But that's it. No one else. Everyone else in that cult's like <laughs> old and white, and it's not really but... my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask though, based off of like tradition, even if you know we haven't had that many episodes yet. But this is definitely going to be the tradition of like, how does he compare to like Freddy Krueger? Oh, zero. Like, no. On a scale of like. Wow. Okay. So, so Freddy Krueger is more attractive than Pele. <laughs> is this what you're telling me? We're looking at I this can't agree character with as a whole. I'd same with Freddy Krueger. Like he, he's not just a person. He's a legend. He's a he's a whole character. So he scores more points on the fuckability scale because of his notoriety, and <laughs> he's very funny. And Pele is not that funny. So Pele is going to be given like a one. Holy shit. How does Pele compare to Voldemort? Wait, 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 wait. We have to use her metric, though, of the fuckability scale, which is, which is yes. incredible. Uh, but yes, Kim's other vice, other than Freddy Krueger, Ray finds as Lord Voldemort. I love him. <laughs> compared well, okay. to Pele. Voldemort's a racist, though, so, like, I have to, I have to put him. Oh. Well, actually, you know what? Pele's probably racist. I, too. I might be guessing here. Yeah, I think Pele would probably There's too be many racist. white people I, in the I, commune, I think so. and I'm just saying, on the person of color that who lived, they killed all the people of color in this movie. So I'll put You're one right. more at like a three. See, I, Voldemort doesn't okay. care what color you are. It's just how pure your blood is, <laughs> like how magical you are. <laughs> Voldemort doesn't give a shit what nationality you are, but like, can you lift some shit with your wand? Because that'd be cool. It's also the lack of a nose that kind of throws me off, but... See, I thought that would be a benefit. I do really cause... like snakes. Like, I'm a big fan of snakes, but not on a man. <laughs> 
I didn't know where that was not going. I didn't I know where that was I going. Don't, I don't <laughs> think it's attractive on a human man, so... Every time we record one of these, it ends up at this at some point. It's just eventually. She's like, well, I mean, like, I'd rather, you know, be attracted to someone that's killed more than one person. Because, like, one person means you're kind of a Okay, but, you like, know, like, so can we... <laughs> There's always, there's always. But I would like to be clear. I I keep it fictional. Not, not. I'm not one of those people that were like simping after Richie Ramirez. No, 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 no. That's where a line is drawn. But you know their names. Yeah, watch true crime podcasts. Of course, I know their names. My mom (laughs) babysit the girl that Richard Ramirez kidnapped in that Netflix documentary. (gasps) Yes, my mom babysat her. My mom has told me this goddamn story her whole life. Like, not like, like it's obviously a crazy story, but I've heard this story like literally hundreds of times. Um, and it's always something I've just kind of like, yeah, mom, I, yeah, I guess Richard Ramirez. But then that Netflix documentary came out, and she's like, literally, the name I've been telling you your whole childhood, they say in this documentary. And sure as shit, I was like, holy shit, this is Damn. real. It's yeah. insane. That's that's crazy. I can't imagine that. Yeah, it's it's like literally, literally the house behind her house. That's wild. Yeah, crazy shit. Anyway, that got way <laughs> off course. I'm just putting a disclaimer <laughs> for my taste. Tri- it's all fictional. Never an actual person because that's that's weird. That's so you. She only hypothetically wants to have sex with Voldemort, not actually if Voldemort. <laughs> well, that's a what I mean person. is like we're not going to talk about actual serial killers because I think people actually are interested in that kind of stuff, and I, I, I don't fuck with that. I think that's kind of disrespectful. Okay, but that's fictional, fair. fictional, that's fair, fair game. But realistic, yeah. that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> full shade. <laughs> if you're one of those people, full shade. <laughs> yes. Full shade. <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> it's that's too weird. <laughs> okay, should we yeah. say goodbye? This is a separate topic for a different time. I don't. I I literally don't know how much of the last five minutes will actually wind up uh, surviving this. I don't either. But we gotta say a f- we formal have to say goodbye. Goodbye. Um, goodbye. Fuck, how do we? How do we? <laughs> oh shit! We lost him. <laughs> She's gone. <laughs> Um, She's too fictional. busy thinking about serious <laughs> Fictional ones. Uh, they can't be real. Like the Scranton Strangler, that's totally fine. You, mean you can yes, over the, the Scranton Strangler. Scranton Strangler. Mm-hmm. No, it's Bob Vance. Oh. It's Bob Vance. That was actually pretty Ooh. interesting. These are some Bob good Vance, theories. Bob Vance Refrigeration is the Scranton Strangler. Um, okay, we can talk about this after we finish this, the podcast. It's important that people know. <laughs> too many people think it's totally <laughs> Um, <laughs> Toby's too boring. Anyway, um, thanks for listening to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, thanks for listening to <laughs> Slashers and Spirits, a horror movie podcast. Next time we will be watching the Jimmy Timmy Power Hour three. Um, that'll be next week's. And until then, uh, we'll talk about it. Until then, this has been Aaron, Kim, AJ. <laughs> And thanks for listening to us as we drink copious amount of alcohols and talk about our movie very pretentiously. Uh, (laughs) Love you! Bye!